Welcome, one and all, to an all-new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. This will be our last show, m maybe for a bit, what with the holidays and Christmas and everything coming up. In fact, we didn't even think we were going to turn this into a regular show this week. We thought we were just going to do a Star Wars spoiler cast, which we're going to do at the end of this, where we would normally talk about the comics for the week. But there was just enough new and interesting news that came out that I said, ask ah, her, let's just put a show together, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, we just decided just to give something a little bit more for the people besides the spoiler cast. Also, hey, happy 40th episode, Matt, too. This is this is episode 40, I think. Wow. Yeah, man, we've been doing this for 40 episodes already. Ain't that some shit? And at least five different riffs. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, geez, we've been consistent with this, Matt. We've been good and consistent with this. Yep. As as I look back on the year that was, I know I've gone through different computers, I've taken vacations here and there, and yet even then, we've managed to turn in at least 40 episodes. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. In fact, I, I was even looking back and trying to think, I'm like, how many episodes of Blood Sweat did we do? I think we did like 124 of that show. Yeah, but as well, it wasn't really as consistent as we've been here. No, and I know you only came in during the latter days of that show. I was there from, like, episode one. <laughs> yeah. You can still find that last episode, too, episode 124, if people are so interested. But, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, it's uh, it's going to be a Star Wars-themed episode. Matt and I have lots to say about that. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, be sure to listen to the first part of this show, bookmark it and come back to it when you're done because we will be spoiling the shit out of it when we eventually get to it and speaking of star wars our first piece of news here matt is star wars related and that is the han solo movie will be set to film this february yeah I, i'm excited to see some set footage some set pics and from taken from drones or someone <laughs> hiding in a bush or something man freaking drones now are like the worst enemy of the hollywood system for trying to keep secrets and shit yeah they actually have a system now developed where they send up other drones to catch those drones <laughs> drone fighter they, drones they, yeah those drones have like nets or something and they just like go over the other drone and catch it in the net. I'm sure I've mentioned this elsewhere, but have you seen what, like, the Netherlands uh, Police Academy, what they've started doing now? What's that? There's training falcons to now take down drones. <laughs> That's awesome. I want a drone falcon. That's all I want for <laughs> Christmas is a drone falcon and one of those cool falcon gloves. <laughs> But yeah, Han Solo, I mean, this is going to be the adventures of young Han Solo. Beyond that, we don't really know what the story of this is going to be. Do you think they're going to go straight up origin with this? Like, how did he become captain of the Millennium Falcon? How did he meet Chewie? I don't know. I, I'm wondering if they are going to, like, just take certain parts and not just tell you everything. Like, how he met Chewie, how he got the Falcon, how he became did the Kessel run, you know, all that sort of oh. stuff. I know it's, it's also going to have, it, it's going to have Chewie in it. So I'm guessing we're going to find out about that, but I'd be really cool if they didn't do the Falcon in this and it, it they leave it like right till the end. That would like be he goes into, goes into like the poker game. He wins it in. Mm. You got to wonder too, how much do you think they would end up borrowing from like a expanded universe? Could we see some swoop bike racing? Maybe. That'd be pretty cool. Cause I know in the expanded universe, he was a pretty good, Swoop biker. Could we see... He was like a, a legendary racer. Yeah, could we possibly see, like, some other, like, maybe bounty hunter characters? Could we see, like, Zuckus and some of those other guys show up? 
That'd be pretty cool. Because in the, in the expanded universe, um, the reason Dengar wears the um, that head like stuff. weird head stuff is because he got into a bike accident with Han. That's that's the thing. Like Dengar, that's your villain right there. And there's a guy who we see later in continuity. So wouldn't that be cool? Hell, you could put Jabba in there if you really wanted. I imagine maybe Jabba might make an appearance. I I couldn't. I would really hope so. And I mean, you know, I hope. Seeing as like, and again, we'll talk about it when we get into Rogue One. Rogue One definitely felt like more like a war movie. I would really mm-hmm. like it if the Han Solo movie felt more like a crime movie. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I know they're, they're like sort of saying that it's going to be sort of like a adventure western mm. sort of thing with it. That'd be pretty cool. I, w- I would like that a whole lot. So definitely lots more Star Wars to look forward to in the future. And uh, and moving on from a galaxy far, far away to the town of Duckburg. Uh, Matt, are, are you a fan of the DuckTales? Did you watch the DuckTales growing up? I, I didn't watch it like every week i would like like saw a couple episodes here and there but i'm i'm familiar with it it's, it's definitely a cornerstone of the disney afternoon well what seems to be the hot new trend recently of like rebooting and rebranding classic cartoons i mean you know see powerpuff girls see all those other shows that they brought back they're bringing back ducktales and they made a big deal about it on social media that they announced the new voice cast for the show and i got to say they got some of my favorite people in this they got some pretty good voice actors. They got like a huge chunk of people from like Saturday Night Live. So they got like freaking Bobby Moynihan and a piece of toast to voice. Uh, was it that? This is just a little Rick and Morty for you right there for those who didn't get it. <laughs> they got Bobby Moynihan in there. They got, uh, what is it, one half of Garfunkel and Oates to be yep. Webby to where I'm like, okay, that's genius casting. That's really good. I really like her. She's on Steven Universe too. And then perhaps the biggest and most interesting and most superhero-related piece of casting, fucking David Tennant is going to be Scrooge McDuck. I know that when I saw that, I'm like, really? That's that's kind of weird. From Doctor, but who, also but also really really cool. It is from Doctor Who to the Purple Man to Uncle Fucking Scrooge. <laughs> and I guess he can just talk normally as Uncle Scrooge because he is Scottish. He always changes it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that, of, ooh, I got a role where I can finally be myself. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah, I mean, don't be shocked if DuckTales becomes the new show to watch now because of David Is Tennant. it is it going to be um, traditional animation or CG? I think they're changing it around a little bit. I don't think it's going to be traditional, like, hand-drawn animation, but it's going to be something like that. Okay. And don't be shocked if it's 11 minutes because all cartoons now are 11 minutes for whatever reason. Yep. Although that's not a bad thing. Justice League Action's 11 minutes, and that show is charming. Yeah, that show's great. I guess we can officially talk about that now, because the show actually aired. They had, like, the big first four episodes, Shazam, Slam, and many more, that kind of set up the status quo for the show. And I gotta say, after some, like, being unsure about it, after looking at the artwork and everything, it's kind of great. I kind of love it. It is. All the characters are, like pitch perfect it's just amazing what they're doing with that show that's what good voice acting and good writing can get you did you know paul dini is involved in this yes i did which makes sense because oh my god in just the first handful of episodes they make so many goddamn references to batman the animated series it's amazing yeah, like the Blue Beetle and Batman oh, episode. That oh was a my. great episode. Oh, that was that was perfect. That one that one put a smile on my heart 
that was like a Christmas miracle and I loved it to death. And even in like one of the newer ones where uh, it's the team and Cyborg, who ironically is still voiced by Carrie Payton, who is also Cyborg in the old Teen Titans show and in Teen Titans Go, and he's on this. <laughs> he's fighting Toy Man, who's voiced by Ken Jeong, which is amazing casting in and of itself. Yeah, that's great. That's and, great. And, he, and they make the heroes do like an Injustice-style fighting game. And Cyborg picks Batman, and Batman's entrance music is just a remix of the Batman the Animated Series theme. Yeah, that's great. And his opening taunt is, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but unlike Teen Titans Go, it's like you can be older than six and appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's not that kid humor. The humor comes from character, not from wackiness. Yeah, yeah, they don't force characters who aren't humor humorless to be humorous. I would say too, it's even it's even a bit more serious than something like Batman: Brave and the Bold. I would say. Yeah, a little bit. Where Brave and the Bold bit. was just like straight, you know, slapstick. Let's just do sixty Silver Age Batman stories. This one, there actually are stakes and there are feelings of danger and everything, and they actually do pull in some good villains. I mean, we got Black Adam, we got Grundy, we got Lobo, we got all sorts of stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, the pool of villains that we've been getting is so good. Really good pool of villains. Really, really good. I can't actually wait to see where the show goes with it. Yeah. Mark Hamill is Swamp Thing, and that makes me happy. I know. I, I, I didn't actually pick it up until I saw his name in the credits. I'm like, holy shit, that was Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill is Swamp Thing, which is funny because he's Swamp Thing and he's the Joker. And you yeah. have an episode where Swamp Thing fights Solomon Grundy. And Mark Hamill was the voice of Solomon Grundy in Justice League, but he's not here. <laughs> and then they have another great one where, like, Batman goes up against Booster Gold, but Booster Gold is voiced by the guy who did the voice of Batman in Batman Brave and the Bold. <laughs> so it's like everyone just moved their scripts one to the side, like, okay, you'll be this character now. <laughs> I, I, I could gush about Justice League action all day, but, you know, that's, that, that, that's a little taste of Cape TV here in the comic multiverse. It's a good show. You'll like it. Yeah. And uh, from the DC side of things to the Marvel side of things, hey, Matt, you know that Deadpool fella? Yeah, kinda. He's, you know, he's somewhat popular. He had a little independent movie you may have heard of once or twice. Uh, he's going to be a busy guy in 2017 because they've announced two brand new stories that are going to feature on him. The first is yet another in the long, long Deadpool versus line of books, mm -hmm. which I think all of them have been written by Cullen Bunn at this point. You know, there was Deadpool versus Carnage and Deadpool versus Hawkeye and Gambit and Deadpool versus Deadpool and everything. Well, yeah. we got a new one now, and honestly, I kick myself in amazement that they didn't make this one already, but Deadpool versus The Punisher is going to be a thing in 2017. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, cool. I, might, I might actually read this one because I'm such a Punisher junkie. I'm just like, okay, what's, what's he doing now? Yeah, I'll I kind of tape it off on the like the Punisher books and what's going on in there. Yeah, the new one's pretty good from Becky Cloonan. I like it. It's very back to basics, down and dirty, early two thousands Marvel Knights versions of you know, no supervillains, yeah. just crime. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which you know, if that's your cup of tea, and it most certainly is mine, you'll dig that. But perhaps the more interesting Deadpool thing 
is an actual full-on Deadpool event that looks to actually go through all the books he's related to. So Mercs for Money, and I guess Uncanny Avengers too. But it's called the Till Death Do Us event. And the deal with this is that Deadpool is finally going to war with his monster wife, Sheikla, in the Monster Metropolis. Cool, I guess. <laughs> I guess. And Matt's like, I don't read these books. I don't fucking know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I, I will say this, though. The funny thing about like them finally going like, ooh, and Deadpool's wife was evil all along. All I can say is like, yeah, no fucking duh. You've been teasing <laughs> turning her evil and turning her into a villain since before goddamn Secret Wars. <laughs> Hell, I'm shocked, I tell you. <laughs> Hell, in her Secret Wars tie-in, Miss Deadpool and the Howling Commandos, she did turn evil in that and try and like turn against God King Doom and got killed for it. And every time I think they're going to finally pull the trigger on it, they don't. I'm like, well, geez, it's about goddamn time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so from those stories to one involving a favorite topic of Matt and myself, and that is Young Justice. Have, uh, have you seen this, Matt? Have you heard about this? Uh, apparently fans are petitioning now for a brand new comic series because there was one that was actually tied into the show beforehand. If one comes out, it'll be digital. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's not. I mean, you know, that seems to be the obvious way to go to make it digital. I know I kept meaning to read the last run of Young Justice comics that tied into the show, but they just didn't look that good, honestly. And I'm like, man, the show's so good. <laughs> Wait, I, I tell you what, can't cancel Injustice Ground Zero because that book's a piece of shit. <laughs> Is it? And and give oh god, uh, oh, uh, I'm having a stroke thinking about it. <laughs> I um, we haven't talked about comics in so long. Matt's like, no, I was angry about a thing. <laughs> oh, it's literally like, what does Harley Quinn do? That's literally the whole comic. Well, that's what happens um, when you've taken the thing so far. Now all you can do is focus on characters that weren't really involved. Well, the thing is, like, they, they had an annual come out recently for year five, and that was, like, literally what Ground Zero should have been. It was stories, collected stories from different people who we haven't seen in a while, like Black Lightning and, uh, like, what they're up to in the universe and everything. Hmm. That's what that should have been, but nah, we got to see Harley Quinn steal Batmobile because reasons. I guess we got to keep milking that injustice teat for as much as it's worth. Yeah, the big the big push behind this, you know, fan petition for a Young Justice comic series is basically Greg Wiseman came out and said, you know, what was good about the other comic series is that it kind of let us draw in the margins and everything. Because like, if you did read the comic, it did connect to the show, is the thing in like actual meaningful ways. Like there was whole explanations why Ocean Master was in the light in season one, but not in season two. Like they actually do explain shit like that. mm Hmm. But at the same time, too, I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy with the show. I'm not going to push for anything extra. Just let me be happy about season three. Yeah, don't, don't start, like, saying, oh, now that it's coming back, it needs a comic and a video game yeah. and, you know, all, uh, like, a series of animated movies and stuff like that. Like, just be happy me, with what you got. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Those things are great. And if season three does good, we'll probably get those things anyway. So right now, I'm just like, you know what? Don't rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Yep. Yep. Tis a rickety ship this season three. We almost didn't get it. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, speaking of things that uh, I, I have no segue for this. I'm just I'm just fucking bullshitting. <laughs> Uh, so, Matt, remember we were talking endlessly about the Harley Quinn movie, the perspective Harley Quinn movie that supposedly Margot Robbie had taken a really big interest in, had recruited writers, and was actually kind of developing it on her own? Mm-hmm. 
Well, we got some big news on that one, and that is the Harley Quinn Suicide Squad follow-up movie will actually be called Gotham City Sirens, which was an old Paul oh. Dini book. Oh. In, in fact, you gotta love the disconnect between the movie people and the comic people. Because, like, when that news came out, if you follow Paul Dini on Twitter, and really you should, he figured it out just as, like, everyone else did. He's like, huh, next one's going to be called Gotham City Sirens. Awesome. Bet I'm not going to see a penny from this, are I? Yeah, yeah. And then it also just goes to show how, like, well-connected those sources are. Like, obviously don't talk with comics or anything about them. So, yeah. I think I think the name is kind of adorable because the story, as far as I know, it is that, you know, when Margot Robbie was getting in character for the Harley Quinn movie, they gave her, like, a big stack of Harley comics, like, the essential Harley Quinn books to read, which obviously Gotham City Sirens would be in there. And I kind of like this idea of Margot Robbie being like, ooh, I like this one. This is a fun book because it is a fun book because it's Paul Dini and it's really good. And she's like, I want to make this. Let's make this one next. And because DC and Warner Brothers are like, we don't know what we're doing. Sure, let's do that. Let's make that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> let's let her make a movie. <laughs> yeah, she's the character. She knows what she's doing. Let's just do it. <laughs> and when people are asking, like, well, where does this fit in in the greater DC cinematic pantheon? You had all these movies lined up. Now you're making a Batman one, and now you're making Gotham City. So it's like you're just making these up as you go along. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, as I said on Twitter, you know, Green Lantern's not definitely not going to be made now. Shazam, nothing's fucking happening with that. Um, but we Flash probably isn't going to be happening because that doesn't have a director at the moment. And, you know, all these movies that they say, Cyborg, you know, they're not all happening. I can't, I can't blame them for wanting to do a follow-up Harley Quinn movie. As I've said a million times before, I'm sure she sold more in merchandise than the Suicide Squad movie actually made. And that's why they're making it, for the money. They're not making it because the character's interesting or anything like that. They're just doing it for the money. Well, I mean... Because remember when Suicide Squad came out, it, like, no one fucking liked it. And it still made a bunch of money somehow, and that's all they saw. I mean, you know, I... I where am I going with this? I, I think I would be more interested in this... <laughs> If I didn't feel they kind of completely missed the point of the Harley Quinn character and they kind of yeah, fetishized yeah. and romanticized yeah, the exactly. abusive relationships he's in with the Joker. And I'm like, oh, if this is what you did to her, I don't want to see what you might do to Poison Ivy and Catwoman. And mark my words right now, this is this is me putting money on the table. When we do see Catwoman and Poison Ivy, if they're in the movie, and I think they will be because you know that was part of the reason that Robbie wanted to do this to see more female super characters, they too will be hot topic-a-sized. Oh yeah, definitely. I've seen people saying that like... Um... Catwoman's going to have Meow tattooed on her forehead. And oh, there you go. The, 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 the poison ivy, like the plants she has over her arms, will be tattoos. Because oh, remember, David A. is directing this. Of, of course, which is weird in and of itself, isn't it? It's like, well, mm -hmm. dude, it seemed like they kind of took your movie and chopped it into pieces. Why why are you coming back to this? <laughs> well, the th And the, the thing is that I don't get is like every movie he's done that's featured women, they've all been like crack whores and prostitutes and whatnot so like what, has a what, what what yeah like what what makes him the right person for this movie and, and that being said i like his movies they're usually you know la gangster pictures and everything yeah where no one's ever very nice so it's like okay well they don't have to be role models because they're not nice i mean the one i always keep coming back to is uh street kings 
there with mm-hmm. uh, Keanu Reeves, which like in the first 10 minutes of that movie, Keanu Reeves like wakes up in his own vomit, does drugs, drinks a Mickey of vodka, and then is really racist to two Korean guys before shooting <laughs> a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not a good guy. But even still, it's like, you know, maybe maybe they should have something redeeming about them. Just maybe. Maybe. Don't know if they will, though, so... And again, I I wonder, because, you know, like, Gotham City Sirens was, like, a big, long run and everything. I wonder what stories they're going to pull on from this, if any, if they just didn't take the name. Did any involve Batman? Uh, yeah. Well, the, the last well, one, actually. They'll, they'll, pull the, they'll pull those ones, then. They'll pull the, the last one actually figured quite prominently where it was basically the Sirens, you know, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy, you know, try, trying to get one up on the men in their lives, which, you know, of course, you know, Joker, the Batman, and uh, I forget who Poison Ivy's one was. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one they pulled from. I keep pitching, and I stand by this, what I would love to see if I did this one. I, I want, like, a Thelma and Louise type story with these three characters, like a road trip movie where they got to, like, get out of Gotham because, you know, they pissed off somebody and they got the cops chasing them and they got Batman chasing them and the Joker chased them and it's all very chaotic. That's how I would do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that'd that be a really cool movie, but something tells me it probably won't be like that. You also got to love... Well, that, that, or, or the trailers will make it seem like that, right, but it won't be anything will. like that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wonder, will they actually let Ayer edit this one, or will they give this one back to the trailer park company? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, You won't even know, because he'll say the one that's out in the cinemas is his copy, like he did with Suicide Squad, and it clearly wasn't. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good company man, that Ayer. It's, you know, I, yep. I, I gotta wonder with him coming back, either they paid him way more... Which made him mm-hmm. swallow his pride and do it, even though as an artist they absolutely chopped up his work. They either had him under contract, where they're like, oh yeah, Suicide Squad, it'll be big, you'll do three, four sequels easy. And they're like, ooh, did we say three, four sequels easy? What we meant was <laughs> we'll do this now. Or, and this is the nicer one, Robbie really liked working with him and said, look, I want to make this movie, but I want Air to work with it with me. Yeah, and if you don't let me, I'll walk or something. Yeah, I, I think the last one is probably the most realistic and probably the nicest yeah. one. So there you go. And maybe she's like, look, you know, I, I they need us for this project, so maybe hopefully they'll give you more creative control on this one. Yeah. Also, like, because this movie, I guess it's going to probably be fast-tracked or something, um, it, it, it again, right. throws off that whole that whole list they had with, you know, Justice League and Justice League 2 and everything. And now we've got Batman that that Affleck can't seem, can't seem to figure out if it's going to be coming in the spring, but they're still right. They don't even have a script for it yet. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really weird what they're doing. It is where it's like, yeah, we got this whole series. You'll see the team first and then you'll get focus pieces. But, but these ones did good, and so we're going to reactionarily be like, okay, well, now you're getting Batman and Gotham City. Yeah, Sirens. all their films so far has been reactions. It's true. As sad as it is to say, it's true. Now, again, more theorizing. How do you think they will cosplay up Poison Ivy and Catwoman? Because I, I have some theories. I think Catwoman will wear a torn crop top that just says pussy across it. <laughs> And, and I liked your idea of Poison Ivy. She'll have a bunch of tattoos of plants, but instead of regular plants, they'll be pot leaves. Because that's <laughs> yeah, she, cool. I, I guarantee you she probably will have her, like, the tattoos and everything. And the tattoos, tattoos will move or something. There you go. And this whole production will be sponsored by Hot Topic. 
Yep. <laughs> you want to know who's really excited for Gotham City Sirens? Your local Hot Topic manager is excited for it. <laughs> He's fucking stoked. <laughs> if any, if anything, I can't wait to see like the um, uh, the like models they have for Hot Topic modeling the clothing line they base off that. Like you saw like the the Joker ones they had oh, yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. (laughs) It was, where it's like, you know, this is more than just a movie now. It's a brand. It's a movement. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, at least in that regard, it will probably be really, really interesting. I wonder who they'll get for the music video for this one. Will they get, uh, what's his face? Uh, Who is the guy? Oh, God. They did, like, some really, oh, God, I feel, uh, Purple Lambo was the song. Yeah, Skrillex and Rick Ross. Thank you, yes. Are they going to get Skrillex and Rick Ross back to record, like, a new one? Oh, well, since it's all, like, females, they'll get some, like, a female. They'll get, like, um... Kesha. Who's that, who's that terrible female rapper? Um, uh, I don't know. There's so many. Uh, who, 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 Iggy Azalea. Yeah, okay, here, you know, it's got to be a dream team. It's got to be three. So it's going to be Iggy Azalea, it's going to be Kesha, and it's going to be Courtney Love. And they're all going to come together <laughs> to sing the awesome new theme for Gotham City Sirens. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Dude, I, I just fucking did the movie's marketing right there. Did David Ayer, get, give the comic multiverse some money. We did your job for you right there. And judging how right we are usually, like, we've probably picked up, like, 90% of the film already. <laughs> you see, it's really easy to be right. I just think of the worst case scenario every time, and then it happens. <laughs> Wackity, wackity do. And from one DC story to another, uh, Patrick Wilson, Night Owl from The Watchmen, we found out is actually going to be the villain of the Aquaman movie, which actually does seem to be progressing at a decent rate. He's going to be Orm the Ocean Master. Yeah, well, I'm kind of shocked that it took him this long to be cast in the film since I know, he's right? a James Wan alumni. So It's yeah. true. And, and, you know, obviously he's played kind of a superhero before. It is kind of fitting that he should play this role. Although, and, and again, and like, I, I'm not being an asshole here when I say this. When I saw that Patrick Wilson was cast as the half-brother of Jason Momoa, I yeah. laughed <laughs> and laughed, and then I saw they were serious. I, I did as well, and just to like remind myself, I brought a picture up of Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and then a picture of of uh, Patrick Wilson, who's like the whitest guy <laughs> ever. And I'm like... Come on. Uh, I know it's half-brother, but come on. You know what? I think I know why Orm is angry now. He clearly got all the shit genes in the family. He doesn't even look (laughs) even vaguely Samoan. (laughs) He doesn't have any tattoos. He's not muscly. He's not anything. He got the bad genes. That's why he's angry. Well, do, do you reckon because these movies love changing shit so much, do you think they'll change it somehow? Ah, maybe he'll be an adopted brother now. Yeah, something like that. No, you know, I I, I hope they do stick with half-brothers. I hope they just (laughs) bold-facedly go, yes, this is my half-brother. Don't you see the family resemblance? No. (laughs) Also, too, I I wonder in Aquaman's new origin, what what is the Samoan side of his family? Because technically Aquaman is half-human, too. Is his father Samoan or is his Aqua family Samoan? I wonder. Yeah, are Atlanteans Samoan? What what's going on? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Even I, though I, it doesn't make any sense at all, 
with the placement of Atlantis and like what Atlantis actually is, but okay. You see, you called his father Tom Curry, but his real name was Tom Anawahi, you see. <laughs> and then you can tie it in with that Moana movie. Oh god. <laughs> Did you see Moana yet? I haven't seen it, no. It's not bad. It's it's it, I'll tell you what, it's no Zootopia which I think was by far the best one Disney did this year, but it's all right. They got at least two really good songs in there. That's cool. Uh, Jeremy Clement, one of the dudes from Flight of the Concords, he plays like a really glam crab in the thing, and he has what is essentially the villain song of the movie, and it's really good. Awesome. I like Jermaine Clement. He's doing like full-on 80s hair metal as this singing crab. It's great. Oh, awesome. It's it's really funny. Like, he stole the show for me. He he was so good. Like, his song is at the halfway point to the movie. And I'm like, well, shit, nothing's going to top that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's a pretty cool actor. He, he is cool, and he has, like, a lot of very varied parts, doesn't he? When's Jeremy Clement going to join the DC Cinematic Universe? That's what I want to know. Who will, they, who will he play, though? Ah, oh, that's good. Uh, oh, he can be Booster Gold. There you go. Booster Gold's too fun, though. That's true, you're right. He would have no place in this new universe. You're right, damn it. He'd, like, turn up and be like, hey, guys, I'm here. Let's let's have an adventure. And then, like, Batman would shoot him in the face or something. Well, he did basically already play Lobo in Men in Black 3. That's true. <laughs> so he can just do that again. In fact, just, just save the same makeup and everything, and there you go. <laughs> So there you go, everyone. That's an update on the new stuff that's been happening. And actually, that's kind of fitting, too, because we're very close to the 30-minute mark. Uh, from here, we will transition on over into the Star Wars story, Rogue One spoiler cast. So if you've seen the movie, feel free to stick around. If you haven't, again, be sure to save this one for later and come back. And with that, I will turn things over to the biggest Star Wars fan I know, Matt. How did you feel about the movie? Oh, it Everything about it was amazing. It was really, really cool, wasn't it? It was so good the way they've sort of blended prequel stuff, new stuff, and old stuff together. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I guess we'll just come right out and say it. What blew me away, the amount of cameos I found to be absolutely staggering, because there was the ones we knew had to be there. Like, Vader was going to be there. Jimmy Smits was going to be there. Ma Mothel was going to be there. But everyone else absolutely took me by surprise. I know there was some they they hid them very well. They like did. I I kind of knew they would have to be in there, especially like uh, I'm just gonna say the droids R2 and yeah. C3PO because they've been uh, especially R2 has been in every Star Wars film, mm -hmm. so they'd have to be in there. I don't, I'm wondering how they're gonna do it with the uh, Han Solo movie, um, but yeah, it, it was really cool seeing them. And what is even better is that they weren't like those kind of shoehorned ones in where the movie sort of stops and is like, hey, remember this character? Okay, bye. They, they don't break stride for it, which I like. In fact, with uh, with Pig Nose and Walrus Face, they literally don't break the stride when they have those two cameo. Yeah, that was great. Dr. Evans and, and Ponda... I forgot his last name. That was great seeing them. They, they, they must have got off the Jetta pretty fast. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, well, fuck, they destroyed Jetta after this. Either they were just on their way out, or they had a much more interesting story of what they were doing from Jetta to Tatooine. <laughs> 
Yeah, for real, the hell was going on with them? I mean, I, I, I guess we can talk about the main thrust of the story, as people may or may not know from the trailers, is uh, the creation of the Death Star, them trying to steal the plans, and the daughter of the engineer, Jane Ursa, who's kind of our main character, and Mads Melkinson, who was our Imperial scientist. Yeah, he had a lot bigger role than I thought he would. He did, he did. I thought he was going to die in the beginning, and that would be the end of it. Yeah, that's what I originally thought. Well, like, when... um. Orson Krennic turned up with his troopers and everything when his daughter went and hidden everything. I thought that was when he was going to die when he said no. And, um, yeah, I was surprised that he actually had a big chunk of the movie and didn't die until about three, three fourths of the way through. Really? That opening scene. I don't know if you felt this. I totally felt this. That was so inglorious bastards. Wasn't it? Oh yeah. 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 Like coming up to like the homestead and, mm-hmm. yeah, I, is the family here and whatnot? Yeah, the the, the daughter like, hiding underground while the evil Nazis talk shit. Yeah, that was a great scene as well. And I, li- I actually liked that they didn't do a crawl either and it just cut yeah. to the movie. Shocking. I know a lot of people in my theater gasped. They're like, where's the crawl though? Yeah, it was really great. And they did have a title screen though, which was really interesting as yeah. well. Because because this isn't part of the Star Wars saga. This is this is a story. This is different. It doesn't get a crawl. It's not an episode. Yeah, and I, and that's a great way to separate them as well and yeah. tell people that they're different. They're still in the same universe, but they're not related to the Skywalker story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's kind of what Rogue One was in general. It was kind of an experiment testing the waters of being like, you know, will. Will fans accept and come out in droves for a Star Wars story that's not the continuation of the Jedi Sith Skywalker family tale? I wonder. Oh, and people are seemingly saying, yes, we will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, they released this in the perfect time, frickin' Christmas. It has zero competition, and it's still Star Wars, the biggest goddamn media thing ever. Oh, yeah. I like even in the lead up for this, I'm sure you couldn't have avoided this, but a bunch of Trump people were like, oh, the writers said mean things about Trump. Let's boycott Star Wars. And again, I laughed and laughed. (laughs) And the thing is, he didn't even say mean things about Trump. He just he said like the Empire is is like a xenophobic Mm -hmm. um, organization. And it it kind of is. It was in the old universe. And I'm like, unless I'm like you. So you took that you took that as something against Trump. What does that say? says more about you than anything. <laughs> That's basically like they're saying, why do the racists always have to be villains in every movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why can't we have a racist hero? Because <laughs> um, they're bad. Did you think about that? <laughs> when will Star Wars finally tell the story of the racists? Although, ironically, as we sit and talk about this, Ursa, is she is she like our first ever like Imperial lead? Because she was raised by Imperials, has a British accent like the rest of the Imperials, Imperials, but is actually a good guy. I I, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't consider her being raised by the Imperials. She was like raised by her her father and mother, who kind of weren't Imperials. They were kind of just doing work for them and forcefully doing work. And then she was raised by Saw Guerrera. Well, you know, and they, were, they were having drinks with the dude, and they were wearing their Imperial clothes. They they seemed like they were sipping the Empire well, Kool Aid for a little I, bit. I think that scene actually takes place before the Empire, though. I think that's oh. like, like tail end of the Clone Wars, because that that scene takes place on Coruscant. Oh shit! Yeah, I guess so. Huh? I'll be. See, see, this is yeah. why I'm glad you're here to have this conversation with me, Matt, because you you know what's up. <laughs> uh, I mean, we get a uh, uh, Cassian, our male lead of the movie, 
who they were really, it seemed with him, trying to fix a lot of fan complaints about what they did with Han Solo, what with the special editions and everything, because this dude most definitely shoots motherfuckers first. Oh yeah, he's he's got a quick drawer on him. <laughs> he does. I like the first scene we meet him in. He kills a dude who's lagging behind, and I'm like, alright, alright, this is the level of scumbaggery we're dealing with now for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and it was something that I really liked that the like we see the Empire do horrible shit all the time and we see the rebels obviously as like this this force against them and everything, but they as well do horrible shit as well. Like he kills his informant because the guy won't be able to keep up with him or anything and and he just kills people willy nilly and whatnot. And does he his whole mission is basically to assassinate Galen Urso. Mm-hmm. This is, this is like, maybe the first Star Wars movie where the emphasis has really been on the war and the ugliness mm-hmm. of it, where in every other one, it was like Flash Gordon's, you know, approach to war. It was the World War II serials approach to war, where, you know, hey, war is glorious, and, you know, and the good guys always win, and hoorah, and, you know, go get them, troops. This one's like, nah, nah, it's actually pretty fucked up, and there's good and bad people on both sides, and in some cases, like Mads Melkinson's character, you get browbeaten and strong-armed into doing the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm really glad that they sort of touched on that. And uh, yeah, as you said, like, like the old Star Wars films kind of glorified war a little bit with the 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 good guys winning, the little guy always winning against the big faceless organization and whatnot. Well, hell, even even Luke in that first movie, you know, when can I go join my friends in the rebellion? Like he thought it was cool. Like he thought it would be yeah. awesome. Like it would be summer vacation. Only to be like, dude, that you're like in for a lifetime of PTSD and probably death if you didn't find out you were a Jedi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the fact that they even kind of make the Ursa family more interesting to have this idea where it's like, well, man, why was the Death Star so easy to blow up? Oh, because Galen put a back door in it. That's why. Yeah, I, I love that they made that sort of a, a big plot point as well, that like he knew what he was doing and he designed this big flaw in the plan that no one else knew about, that only him and his daughter knew about. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice touch. Kyber crystals were a huge portion of this movie, and that really surprised me. Yeah, yeah, well, I like, before the movie came out, I read the novel, so I knew they were kind of a big part of it, and a big part of powering the Death Star, like, with the crystals and everything, and yeah, th- that was pretty cool that they're sort of adding them into canon again. Yeah. That was uh, that was splinters of the mind's eye. They were first introduced, if I'm not mistaken. Yep the 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 that was actually that book, the splinter of the mind's eye, was actually meant to be a sequel to Star Wars. If Star Wars wasn't as popular as it was, <laughs> that's that's really funny. Uh, we get to see like again, there's so many characters introduced here. Like I would say, there's probably more characters per capita than anything. I mean, I think we can agree that the one who stole the show after everyone was Alan Tudyk's reprogrammed Imperial droid. Oh my god, he was so good. K2SO is such a good character. And it was all CGI as well. I couldn't believe it. It was so good. He looked great. I mean, he was he was the comedy of this movie, but a very different kind of comedy. It wasn't like knee-smacking, wackety-schmackety-do comedy. It was like very dry, very gallows humor. Yeah, like, um, made humor, like, uh, a droid humor, like, it, it's manufactured and everything. Yeah. Yeah, man, freaking, uh, freaking, he really owned it, and he was so likable, and I think they knew he was so likable, because they kill him first. Yeah, that was a shame. I, I, I knew he was gonna die, but, like, I was, I always had this story where, like, 
like he doesn't die and the, the empire get hold of him and they basically rape and pillage his mind for like all like the rebel info mm. and then they just wipe it and just send him back out into the ranks of security guard droid and i think that it would have been a bit more effective as well man the, the he, he's left alive but like he's not himself anymore man the whole like lore of droids in the star wars universe they really get a shitty deal don't they Oh, they, they're essentially slaves. Yeah. <laughs> Man, here's hoping if they keep doing these Star Wars side stories, they'll actually do a movie from the droids' perspective. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something where the droids are like, you know, when's, when's going to be our time, man? When are we going to uprise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll lead a droid uprising. <laughs> yeah, really. Friggin', you know, C-3PO and uh, R2-D2, man, them, them uncle droids is what they are. They forgot about the struggle out here. That <laughs> <laughs> they're house robots, I tell you. What? No, really, they they are literal house robots, <laughs> is what they are. But yeah, I mean that was cool. Uh, Bodhi, who was our pilot guy for the movie, uh, he, him I will admit he kind of had that Gamora issue from Guardians of the Galaxy, and that is he already had the biggest, most important moment for his character off screen before we meet him, and we never understand why he wanted to defect. Yeah, yeah, we never got, like, why he became friends with Galen and everything. But but in seeing that, he actually got a big part of the film. Like, oh, he yeah. was a decent decent part of the film as well. Oh, for sure. Oh, you forget about it by the end because he's, like, the one guy without combat experience who kind of has to nut up and help out in the final battle. Yeah, yeah, and then he gets killed by a grenade. He gets killed by a grenade. That's the thing, too. Like, not only does everyone die in this movie, and oh my god, everybody dies. What a ballsy move is that for, like, a Star Wars big blockbuster Christmas release. All the heroes die. But a yeah. lot of them don't even get heroic deaths. Yeah, a lot of them are just, like, killed by explosions or or a blaster fire from stormtroopers or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what this movie is at the end of the day. This is this is the everyman Star Wars movie. These are the people who weren't glorious generals. These are the people whose names will be forgotten to the history books, but these are the ones who made the rebellion happen. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the ones responsible for everything that comes after. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, ooh, we get to see some new troopers, too. We get to see, like, some tropical troopers in their beige armor. That was cool. Yeah, those scarab troopers looked awesome. Yeah, they did. I like they kind of got like the African campaign, like uh, beige cargo pants on their uniform. Yeah, I like that. yeah, yeah. That's cool. I thought that was a really cool touch. Uh, again, to bring it back to like how this movie takes a lot of inspiration from war and everything. This one even kind of updates the metaphor a bit because we get to see Saul Guerrero's like desert. Re- rebels guys who are like too raw and too real for the rest of the yeah. rebellion yeah. <laughs> they're too edgy for the rebellion they are literally too edgy man they they're hitting it too raw like the wu-tang clan and we get to see like a marketplace <laughs> attack where they like blow stuff up and it's all very like you know guerrilla warfare terror tactics type stuff and i'm like oh wow this this shit feels real doesn't the fact that they do it in, on a desert planet too they pull that off yeah, I, I really like that where you get, like, the, the Imperial tanks going through the streets and they just, like, throw, like, IEDs on it and everything mm-hmm. and just start killing everyone. I thought that was awesome. And even Cassie's like, no, we, we gotta leave. Why? Because shit's about to go down. That's <laughs> I can feel it. There's a fuckiness in the air. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, man, great designs. Do I know some people complained about Forrest Whitaker about the voice he was putting on for it? I like that he sounds like such a weirdo. 
Well, there's like a there's a reason for that, and we're going to find that out when Rebels comes back because he's oh. in the new episode of Rebels. Nice. Um, but I think it has something to do with like Geonosian pesticides or something. Oh. It like fucks up his body. Right. It, it is cool that Salgrit has like a ghetto Darth Vader rebreather suit where it's just like. Yeah, yeah, he's got like the little oxygen mask and everything, and yeah, it looks really cool. Really, really well designed little character. It was like, how fucking weird is this? And also, he just has like a mind flaying squid monster in his base. I love that. Like, like, oh, if you don't want to give up information, we'll just give you to this r- mind raping monster. Yeah, and it'll wow. get, get, give you give you all the information you need, but it also will give the person it's mind raping like brain damage. <laughs> Man, what a wonderfully disgusting creature that was. I know, it was just this big glob of tentacles and everything. It I, think, so it, I awesome. think it had a tentacle dick, too. Like, if you looked in the center of it, it had, like, one smaller tentacle. I'm like, that's a tentacle dick. Yep. <laughs> like, You've I, seen your fair share? Oh, <laughs> uh, tentacle dicks. Hey, man, I've, I've, uh, I've seen some shit, man. I've seen some shit that turned your hair white. I, I like, too, that this movie's remembering. It's like, yeah, you know what? There was, like, some gross shit in Star Wars, too. Like, Jabba was really gross. Let's try and up the gross factor. Yeah, that, that's something, like, the prequels kind of lacked, that sort of lived-in and, like, kind of gross sort of thing with the aliens. Space is terrifying, Matt. There's a lot of it terrifying is. shit out there. <laughs> I, I like, too, that, you know, there was a lot of great creatures on this. You know, there was Sol, second-in-command, who was, like, a really creepy grasshopper man. Yeah, with, like, the, the tubes and everything. That was, that was a really cool design. And then there was all the other, uh, like, alien members of the Rebellion, which, which I'm glad they really stressed that in this one, where it's like, hey, look what a great rainbow coalition the Rebellion is, you know, made up of aliens and women and all these other things and robots, you know, free-thinking robots. And meanwhile, the Empire is just white dudes, white dudes. Yeah, yeah, British white dudes. Evil British white dudes and one hologram man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so let's got to talk about that. So one of the biggest cameos, and again, I think we could all have guessed this would happen. Tarkin shows up, and like Tarkin just doesn't have a little part. Tarkin is a big part of this movie. Yeah, he's a big part of this movie, and he's brought to life by a body double, makeup, and CGI since the original actor Peter Cushing died many years ago. So he's been dead they're able since to bring the 90s, him back, and even then, he, had, he hadn't done any movies at that point since the eighties. Yeah, yeah. So, and and he was a really big actor as well. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they brought him back in this, and he looked great. You see, I, great. I, I found him kind of scary, but maybe that's just because I knew, I'm like, this guy's been dead for like two decades. <laughs> yeah, this is fucking weird. This is a ghost. <laughs> you, are, you, are angry, <laughs> you are angering the spirits with your computers. Let the soul of Peter Cushing rest in peace. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, as you said, like he has like a really big role since he's he's trying to take over the Death Star from Krennic. Yeah, it, it's funny. and sort of take and sort of take um, all the uh, goodwill that it brings up as well mm-hmm. with it. Keeping keeping with that theme of the morally gray like stuff that we got going on here, we our heroes are murderers, thugs, and thieves. And our villain, our quote-unquote villain in Krennic, what's his big villainous plot? What does he want? 
he, he just wants to it take power. <laughs> well, that, but like my thing was like, dude, he, he just wants credit for the hard work he did and no one at yeah. his job is giving him any respect or any yeah, Everyone keeps stepping on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Jesus Christ, your movie, you're almost making me feel sympathy for the space Nazi over here. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, oh, I, I don't get credit at my yeah. work either. <laughs> I also like with Critic that they, they let Ben Mendelsohn keep his Australian accent as well. Yeah, that was fun. That was great hearing it. A space Australian. <laughs> what part of uh, the Empire are you from? The, the southern half? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the southern hemisphere of Coruscant. Uh, Gadai. <laughs> Emperor. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> also, too, speaking of the Empire, of course, Vader shows up in this, and Vader actually even has a more sizable part than I thought he did. Actually, answer this question for me, Matt, because this has been bugging the shit out of me, me and the person I went to go see the movie with. When Krennic goes to visit Vader, what planet mm-hmm. is that? Because they never tell you what planet that is. That's Mustafar. Is the, okay, see, my buddy said Mustafar, and I'm like, is it Mustafar? Why, why would Vader set up on Mustafar when he killed all the fish people? Yeah, no, that, that's uh, Mustafar. The guy who runs, like, the Lucasfilm story group confirmed it. Um, and also, that was the place where, at the end of season one of Rebels, or season two of Rebels, where um, the Inquisitor was going to be taking... Kanan. Right. Okay. You know, you know, at the end of one of the seasons where they have that big bat space battle yes, above yes. Kurus, above uh, Mustafa. Yeah, that's where they were going to take him. Oh, okay, so is that just like Vader's like, Vader's crash pad, basically? Yeah, it's actually something that um, was in an original draft of Empire Strikes Back. He had like this castle uh, on like a lava lake. Right. Okay. And they've recre- recreated that for this, which is really cool. Yeah, he's, he's basically got the Vader cave on there. No, 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 Vader. <laughs> we get to see him in the tube, too. I thought that was a nice shot, him inside the tube. Yeah, and I, 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 I've been telling people, like, he, he killed all those rebels and everything because he was angry because they, they got him out of his bath. Yeah, really. It's like, you know how long it takes me to draw a bath like this? <laughs> when you're burned from head to toe the water has to be just right yeah. also Vader made a pun as well yeah yeah he did he don't choke on your choke on your ambitions director <laughs> like literally after he did that I expected the screen to go like hashtag savage <laughs> I'm like Jesus Christ you know you really must have caught Vader at home he's dropping jokes now and shit Vader got jokes <laughs> I like that Larry has that, how it's like set up and everything. And apparently, um, I saw like pictures of um the art of Rogue One. And apparently, it's set overlooking the the river where uh, Anakin died. Right. Where 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 like him and Obi Wan had the fight and he got his legs cut off and everything and burned up on on the shoreline there. Apparently, it's it's overlooking that. Jesus goes to show how different I am from Vader. If I was him, I would never want to see that planet again. <laughs> I, I like to think maybe, like, Palpatine said it, made him go there. Oh, just like, hey, I'm giving you your brand new base of operations. Yep, it's on a great sunny planet called Mustafar. How's that make you feel? <sighs> Not great. <laughs> well, you can't refund it and you can't re-gift it, so, you know. And that, that's why Vader's always angry. He's just <laughs> constantly triggered. <laughs> He's just like, oh, the fucking, oh, the fucking irony of this. <laughs> Every day <laughs> when I wake up. Oh, God. Speaking of Vader, too, man, he it's funny. We almost go the entirety of Rogue One without seeing a single lightsaber. 
Yes, and until right at the end. Right in like the final five minutes. And it was, I really saw, you know, all the people in my theater were just like, whoa, Darth Vader's a badass again. They've completely rehabbed him from the prequels. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but I've also been reading the Darth Vader comic, and I've also been yeah. watching him in Rebels, and he's been really cool there. But you're right, he's cool in the movie. You're right, I'll give you this. <laughs> they, they that scene was awesome, though. It was. They basically turned him into a goddamn slasher character, because you got all the poor little grunt soldiers, and it's dark, and then you just hear him... And then red light. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a great scene. The last thing you'll ever see. Man, you, you want to talk about how this movie deals with, like, the smallest cogs in the rebel machine. Literally, the day is saved and the information only reaches Leia because two little mook soldiers were able to pass the information through a door. Yeah, yeah, through a door that was just open enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, what were those guys' names? Yet again, you'll never know. These in you know, really important dudes will be forgotten from history because that's every war. <laughs> uh, again, too, you know, that's because we get a cameo from Leia, too. Leia is literally the last thing we see in the movie. Yeah, and uh, again, she's recreated through CGI. Everything looks pretty co great as well. I, I did think though, it, it looked kind of weird. I guess maybe because it was on screen for like two seconds yeah. and maybe if we had a little bit more time with it like we did with Tarkin, it would have looked better, but kind of looks a bit weird for me. It's it's funny how they kind of pick in shows because it's like, okay, well, Ma Mothel won't be computer recreated. We just found this actress who looked a lot like her. Tarkin is obviously dead, so we got to recreate him in a computer. It's weird because, uh, what is it, uh, the, like, what is it, the lady who plays Leia, she actually has a daughter who looks a lot like her. I'm surprised they just didn't put her in there and try and make her but, look more like Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, the, 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 the woman who plays Mon Mothma was the one who played her in episode three as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I got a nice little bit of continuity there. Yeah, she looks really, speaking of continuity... From the prequels, they brought back probably one of the only things from the prequels I enjoyed, and that is Jimmy Smits. Yeah, as Bail Organa, and in, in, was he in like one scene? Yeah, he, he was, was only in that briefing scene, eh? Yeah, like at the end of Revenge of the Sith, that was it. And then it's yeah. like to, to think all this time later, it's like, oh, you mean I can come back and keep doing these movies and I can be in Rebels and everything? Yeah, yeah, it's great. To think they built such an interesting character out of him, and I think a lot of that is just the sheer charisma of Jimmy frickin' Smiths. <laughs> yeah, now, now the thing is that the movie never states that, like, he goes back to Alderaan or anything, I don't think. Well, he says, you know, I, I've got the perfect person for the job talking about his daughter. Maybe maybe he placed a space phone call. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm... It'd be interesting whether they, like, in the new canon, whether they actually say he's dead or whether he's actually still alive somewhere. Yeah, well, I mean, you figure... And that Leia doesn't find out until a little later on or something. I was going to say, you figure Han Solo and Leia are so old themselves that Jimmy Smith's character would probably be dead, but, you know, maybe he takes really good care of himself. You know oh, well, like, he could appear in, like, the comics at the moment. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah, that'd, be, that'd actually be pretty cool, because it never states that he, he goes back to Alderaan or, like, is dead on Alderaan or anything. No, he got some nice leeway in there, for sure. Uh, dum what else haven't we talked about? There's a, there's a lot of stuff to cover. There's, oh, uh, the two, uh, Donnie Yen and the other guy, those two great defenders of the Kyber Crystal thing, how cool were they? Yeah, Chirrut and Bay is so good. I like, so good. I like that this movie builds on that idea that obviously nerds like us know, and that is, look, you can be really into the Force religion and not be a Jedi. 
Yeah, exactly. Like with Donnie, and 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 it it seemed to have worked as well because it it put to rest that that uh thing that people have always been talking about about like why can't the stormtroopers kill any of our heroes or like get shots off at mm. them? And it, it's it's the force. Yeah, the force as it shows in it, as it shows in this movie, he says the force wills it. Yeah, until it doesn't anymore. Until I get blown the fuck up. <laughs> In another tragic thing, I remember my theater, they were all like, oh no, they killed the blind guy. <laughs> I like that there's a part when he's on Jeddah and they, they put a hood over the top of him, over his head. That was and he's nice. like, are you kidding? I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Oh, he's got jokes. And man, that cool stick stuff. And when he takes like the bow gun and shoots that other one out of the air. Just, just yeah, by shoots the, t- the tie fighter at the air. That that was awesome. Speaking of ties, man, this one had to have probably the biggest like action scenes, both in space and on the ground, of like any Star Wars movie we've seen to date. Oh yeah, that battle of Scarif was awesome. It was freaking huge. It was multi-layered and really smartly put together too, because they're like, look, we're a small army going in guerrilla style. We got to use like misdirection on this to make ten men look like a hundred. Yeah, I like how they did that. They like put all the bombs around the place and then attack in different places and everything. I don't, it was really well done. Yeah, I don't think we've actually really ever seen like an action movie play off like that, like from the eyes of a guerrilla war fighting force. Be like, yeah, we got to shock and awe, we got to smash and grab and make it look like we're better than we are. Yeah, yeah, make it. Uh, yeah, as you said, make ten men look like a hundred. And and even in the space stuff too, they show us shit in the space battles we've never seen before. A freaking Star Destroyer cuts the head off another Star Destroyer. That was awesome, and they used the hammerheads from Rebels. Yes, yes, I really liked that. That was a nice Yeah, the sm- They used it as well for its actual um, job as well as, as like a battering ram. I thought that was awesome. Now, answer this question too. We see like a bunch of the different like star teams and everything there. Like, you know, blue team, blue leader. We see the famous red team, of course, from A New Hope. Am I imagining things, or did they actually reuse footage from those original guys in A New Hope to make it look like they were flying the ones in this, too? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Red Leader and Gold Leader, they used um, unused footage from Episode 4, but also I think they actually got the two guys back. Oh, I know one of them died, died in, like, March this year, but I think they got him back before all that happened and recreated some stuff. That's really cool. That's really awesome. And it's funny now I knew it was awesome because all of a sudden they had like 70s facial hair. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and and um, what's even better is that they in this movie they have Red 5, which is what Luke's call sign yes. is. And they make a point in this film to kill off Red 5. I know. They make a big deal about fucking killing off Red 5. And I even looked at the person next to me like, that's the one Luke's going to fly in A New Hope. Yeah, I, I thought that was awesome. I, I kept waiting for Porkins, and in a movie that was filled with <laughs> cameos, I would not be shocked if Porkins came out. <laughs> Porkins, uh... in, in fact, if I wrote the movie, I'd be like, no, Porkins was an instrumental hero that day on the Battle of Scarif. He shot down, like, 20 enemy ties. Porkins was the best of us. Yeah. And also in that battle, we, we got, like, rebel references. We saw the ghost. Yeah. Flying around, and that's definitely the ghost because earlier on we see it again parked on Yavin Four. Um, we see Chopper. Oh, do we rolling really around? That? Yeah, he was like in the background for like a second. You see him in the background, um, and over the communications, you hear someone call for General Sandula. Oh, oh, that's good. 
wouldn't wouldn't it be awesome, Matt? And I see no reason why this wouldn't be the case because the show is popular. If Rebels went on for two more seasons, and we actually got to see the Battle of Scarif from the point of view of the cast of Rebels, now that they're implying that they were there. That would actually be really cool. That would be fucking amazing. Imagine that, like, shit, that could be your goddamn series finale if you wanted to be be like, yeah, they were totally there. They gave their lives to the Battle of Scarif, too. You just didn't see it. Well, the thing is, like, we don't know, like, like who exactly is live. I know, obviously, uh, Hera is, and apparently in some book it sort of makes reference that Sabine is still around after the Battle of Yavin. Right, because she's so, going to go and re, uh, rebuild the whole Mandalorian thing. Yeah, so but we don't know whether like Zeb or Ezra or Kanan or any of them are still alive, right. though. I, ima- I ima- imagine they might be. I think, as sad as it is to say, I think Ezra and Kanan need to die so Obi-Wan yeah. and Luke can continue to be the last two Jedi. Yeah, either die or like go off somewhere. Yeah, they go off to, like, the space between spaces. They, like, do the... I was, I was going to borrow a Star Trek thing. I was going to say, like, first star on the left and on until morning. <laughs> they pull one of those where it's like, and where did uh, Ezra and Kanan go? Oh, they went to be going one with the Force. <laughs> they did that thing. They were such badasses. That's what they did. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, what else can you really say about the movie at this point? I mean, Matt and I are kind of gushing, but I mean, but we were always going to be the softest cells for this. Oh, yeah. It, uh, I, I knew it was going to be good anyway, because I know, like, the people just in, involved with it, like, Gareth Edwards, all the mm-hmm. actors, uh, producers and everything, I knew it was going to be good. Yeah, it was, it was really awesome. I know, I remember I was reading an article, too. Apparently, this movie was supposed to have a less traditional... Uh, Star Warsian score, and they actually changed it at the last minute and put like a more traditional John Williams thing on top of it. I wonder what the original score sounded like. Yeah, well, um, they hired Michael Giacchino, the guy who did all the Star Trek films and like Doctor Strange and everything. They hired him, and he had like like four weeks to write music or something for it. But um, it sounded really good. It did, and we do get, like, of course, some uh, great classic uh, reprises and remixes of famous themes. Like, we get a little Imperial March when Vader shows up and everything. I think we get, like, a, what is it, like like a little Leia's theme. Well, I mean, because when mm-hmm. she shows up and everything there. But we, we get mm-hmm. like, some different references here and there. Even some shots, like, what, early on in the movie when they're leaving Yavin 4... It's the exact shot of when they get there to Yavin 4 in the first movie, just played in reverse because the dude's moving the little light tower. Yeah, I like that little dude in the light tower. Yeah, what, what's Checking what, their speed or something. Yeah, what, what, what's his story now that they've completely opened up the Star Wars universe and everyone, even the most incidental background character, can have I, a movie? What the fuck was he doing? Well, I think like in the old universe he did have a story, oh, and it, I, I can't fucking remember what it was, but I, I have no idea what it is. I, I, I can vaguely remember it, something to do with like checking the ship if it's... Like scanning it or something, but I I don't know. That's that's the amazing thing about the Star Wars expanded universe is that there's like a bazillion books and bazillion comics and bazillion everything else that everyone did get a story at some point. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, closing thoughts on this one, Matt. I really liked the Rogue One. You should all go see the Rogue One. It's Christmas. What the fuck else do you have to do? Yeah, definitely go see it. It was great. I'm going to go see it again tonight. Nice, nice. Good job, good job. It, it's a fun movie. I bet this one would be really awesome on like a home theater system with surround sound oh, yeah. and everything for those big fight scenes. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really cool. 
And again, I, I am endlessly amazed that they're just like, no, everybody dies at the end. Yeah, that was great. And it was really kind of, you knew they were going to die, but it was still really sad. Yeah, it was sad. You know, it's it's a perfect example of like, how how much can we make you like these characters within the span of two hours and make you really bummed when they die? I, I like when um, when Tarkin ordered the the Death Star to fire on Scarif, and um and they fire it, and it like takes the top of the tower out where Krennic was. Yeah, <laughs> like fire at that tower, kill Krennic. <laughs> yeah, man, he just he just could not catch a break, Krennic. He was bad luck, Krennic, through this whole goddamn movie. <laughs> Gets shot in the back, man. Just can't just can't do fucking anything right. Yeah. <laughs> That dude, he is he is the freaking droopy dog of Imperials. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess moving forward now, we know we're getting Han. We know we're getting another, uh, in the main series, we're getting another episode of Star Wars. Where would you like to see these movies go next, Matt? Because I imagine you have way more of a theory on this than I. What, what aspect inside of the Star Wars universe would you like to see them devote a movie to next? Um... I wouldn't mind seeing like a um like so we've had like the rebel version i wouldn't mind seeing like an empire version where we have like a like an imperial special forces team or something mm. infiltrate rebel bases or something oh yeah they did uh they did some really good stuff in like the uh whatchamacallit the what's the one i really like the star wars comics i like it was written by uh the same guy who did suicide squad it was it, it, um oh uh, yeah uh, Star Wars Legacy. Star Wars Legacy. They did a really awesome story arc where you hang out with like a group of elite troopers, and these are just guys trying to survive the war. And again, there's humans and alien troopers, and you get to hang out right with them, and you get to understand what makes them tick. You understand they don't really like the Empire, but because of geography, they really didn't have a choice. And you kind of see them get bullied by their superiors, and you kind of see them be scared to death of Sith and everything. Yeah, I'd like to see that as well, like, just to show that, like, it's not just mindless people behind those helmets, and it's actual people. Yeah, make make Band of Brothers, but with Stormtroopers. Yeah, exactly, and, like, the Clone Wars have done stuff like that, so, yeah, yeah just do, like, one for the Imperials. Yeah, and actually have a story being like, you know, oh, you know, back in the day, we used to all be clones, but, you know, eventually people started getting conscripted and everything, there's not nearly as many clones as they used to be. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a really cool story. And you could make that really emotional, too, because you could, like, have one of those troopers just totally snap under the pressure of being like, oh, my God, they treat us like we're expendable. They kill us by the millions. They just keep sending us in. They don't care. Yeah, and I, I'd even like like to push it so far as to, like, still go along with this, uh, with, like, Rogue One, how it painted the Rebels as well, and, like, say, like, well, I don't want to join the Rebels because they're not much better either. Yeah. Have... I'll just, like, I'll just, like, leave the war entirely. Yeah, have them feel like totally, completely stuck where it's like, look, it doesn't matter what side I back, I'm going to be dying on some alien rock for somebody. Yeah, yeah. That would, that would actually be a really good story to tell. I think that would actually be really, really awesome. And heck, you could even you could even side story that and make it one about the First Order, make it be like kids who have been so misinformed by their leaders where they're like, what, what, what are we fighting for? What's what's this about? I don't I, I don't understand. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Especially with what we've seen with Finn, because it's like clearly they can defect, and also clearly these First Order guys are putting some level of brainwashing into them. Mm-hmm. Like some extra level to keep them, you know, really complacent. Hell, uh, Rebels pretty much did an episode on this, but actually let's have a whole movie or a whole story based around, like, the Trooper Academy. 
Yeah, that'd be really cool. And show, like, how they beat dissension out of them and everything, and be like, hey, they weren't all evil once upon a time. Yeah, they were just kids. Like, like Luke wanted, like, in, in Star Wars, Luke wanted to go to the Imperial Academy. Exactly, yeah. Wouldn't that be some shit? That's, uh, that would be a good story. You could tell that. And hell, I'm sure they have stuff in the pipeline, too, where it's like, well, how about we do a movie about Wedge? Yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah, I mean, heck, he's already getting focus on Rebels and everything. In fact, I was surprised during that big fight scene there at the end with all the pilots and everything. Like, are we going to see Wedge? Is Wedge going to show up? Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't see them, though. He might have been on a mission or somewhere else or something. Yeah, he was doing something else important. But yeah, I mean, that's Rogue One, everyone. That's how Matt and I felt about it there. We enjoyed it. We like Star Wars. Yeah, it was great. We we like the Star Wars. I'm sure this will be a kick-ass DVD. I'm sure we'll have many more Star Wars ahead of us. Are, are they all going to keep being Christmas movies? I know we've had this conversation before. I think so. I think maybe, like, one changes into May, maybe. Or maybe they've changed that date. Oh, I'm not too sure. But uh, Christmas seems to be working for them, so... I, I like them no. being Christmas movies. I like the idea that every year I can go see one. Christmas we'll see Star Wars movies and like summer and winter we'll see Marvel movies. Yeah, seems to be the way they do it. They've kind of got it locked up, don't they, Disney? It's like they own everything. <laughs> it's like they own the goddamn world or something. <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke. It's like they own this show, but I'm not with Maker yet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so th there you have it, everyone. That's the show for this week. Uh, this may be the last time you hear an official comic multiverse for a bit, but don't you worry, though, because tomorrow Matt and I record something very special, something you've been asking about forever, and you'll actually get that during the week of, or during the actual Christmas week, because Matt and I aren't going to record next Sunday, because next Sunday is Christmas. So, I mean, I will leave it mm -hmm. up to your imaginations what it is Matt and I can be doing, but I'm sure that many of you have already jumped to that conclusion, so good for you. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> and on that note, everyone, I will say bye-bye and see you next time. Yeah.